everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is episode three of Namek vs. Saiyan podcast. I am Patrick Shanley, uh, editor with The Hollywood Reporter. I don't feel like I need to say that every time, but it keeps coming out of my mouth. Uh, joining me is my dear friend, Edmund Arnold. Edmund, how are you doing? I'm mad. I'm all right. The podcast <laughs> is really giving me one today, uh, but I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the big news of last week first, or over this weekend. Uh, Wonder Woman pretty much dominated everything all weekend. It made a gajillion dollars at the box office. Actually, more realistically, it made almost $100 million uh, nationally, or uh, domestically, which is huge, even for a big movie like this, but particularly for a character who hasn't been on the big screen yet. I've had a chance to see it. Uh, Eddie has not seen it. I thought it was great and not great at the same time. I don't think I've ever had a movie where individual scenes I thought were bad and then other individual scenes were phenomenal, like really, really good. It was very divisive. Interesting. Interesting. I have to see this because I would like you to elaborate on it more, but that's very interesting. <laughs> and I haven't seen This movie is like kind of blown up. Um, I haven't seen really any negative things about it. The negative things I have seen about it have been exp- like just people are just blowing up on it on Twitter. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's one of those things where you can't say anything negative about this movie because it is Wonder Woman and we badly need um, female protagonists right now, especially in the superhero realm. So it's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy reaction. But from what I've seen and what I've heard, it sounds really good. So I'm excited. If my, I'm going to see it this weekend. If the theater that I saw it in is any indication, I've never seen – I went to uh, an Arclight in Culver City. And when I left, I went to a matinee. It was twelve thirty in the afternoon. I came out. It was nearly three in the afternoon, and it was so packed you could barely move through the lobby. I've never. I've been to that movie theater eight hundred times. I've never seen it like that before. It was. It was honestly surprising. Everybody likes Wonder Woman. I guess everybody so. likes Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's great. Speaking of Wonder Woman, uh, another big thanks to Susan Eisenberg who was on our cast last week. Uh, you can find that below this one if you're listening on SoundCloud. If not, just go there. It's not like your keyboard is far away from you at this moment. Uh, so listen to that. She was great. Um, this week, we have another Injustice alum and one of my own personal favorite actors, Phil Lamar from Futurama and Samurai Jack fame. He is amazing. So uh, look for that later on in this podcast. Uh, speaking of fighting games... Uh, this is generally a slow week for video games. We're ramping up to E3. It is uh, the first week of June. E3 drops next... Well, it, it officially begins the beginning of the week after this week that's starting right now. Uh, but there are... Can I, can I stop you real quick? Yeah, yeah, do it. Um, how did they change this up? Because back in the day, E3 used to be like three days and that was it. Mm-hmm. It seems like they spread it across a week now. Could, I, I know you're the big time guy going there. Could you... Could you just tell me, like, the schedule of events? What's it look like? My insider information to answer your original question was uh, everyone decided, hey, that Edmund Arnold guy, screw him, let's mess with him. (laughs) And they decided to spread it out. They also canceled G4 TV, even though everyone loved it. Um, My understanding is, or the first event I'm going to is on Sunday. Uh, Sunday night is like a kickoff event. All these places, they're being put up right now. It's in the convention center, right? So it's going to be there already later on this week, I imagine, is when they're setting everything up. And then they sort of rolled it out through the week. But officially, E3 is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This, right. Of, not this week, but the next week. So a week from... Uh, next week. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's when all the big uh, big events were, where the streaming will be, and all that. And I'll, I'll be there on the floor, and I'll try and get as much um, as many answers as I can. I will wring them out of people like Batman. That's my goal. I might dress like Batman. 
You should. You should. I, I think a lot more people would be attracted to what you had to say if you dressed like Batman. I feel like people would take me more seriously if I was dressed like Batman. They Not would. just at E3. I think just you could get general. an interview with anyone. If your lawyer showed up and he was dressed like Batman, would you trust him more or trust him less? Which version of Batman are we talking about? Are we talking about early comic Batmans? Are we talking early 90s cartoons? It depends on what suit he's wearing. There's only one Batman to me, and that is Batman the Animated Series Batman. You know that. Okay, then yeah, I would trust him then. Thank you. That was All a right. solid suit. Again, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about the issues that affect youth. <laughs> I've gotten so far off topic. <laughs> I'll never ask a question again. I'm sorry. You screwed everything up. What I was originally saying is that this was a bit of a slow week because of E3 and all the enormous announcements that are going to be taking place at E3, and we'll have a, a show uh, speculating and then obviously a show reacting to everything. But as of now, where we are. Uh, the biggest news this week was a uh, new game coming out, Tekken 7, the seventh of the Tekken franchise, uh, which is another fighting game. So it all ties in. We're back to Batman uh, with Injustice. Obviously, comparisons are being drawn between the two. What's better, Tekken 7, Injustice 2? Eddie, where do you stand on this divisive issue? I mean, I'm not going to pick up a Tekken. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick with my Injustice. I don't need a Tekken. Injustice 2 is fine. Injustice 2 is filling all the voids that I need with my fighting games. I don't think I've ever enjoyed Tekken. I don't know what's going <gasps> on with the character designs. They have crazy hairstyles that I'm not into. Oh my god, those I are usually the, like Jap- the, Japanese video games are my favorite. But for some reason, Tekken, the Tekken franchise just never attracted me. The best part of the franchise, bar none, is the character designs. You can play as a panda. You can play as a man with a panther head who is also a luchador Mexican wrestler. You can play as literally just a block of wood who is somehow sentient. Like what? What else do you want in character design? That's that's my question to you. This fighting game people are going to listen to this and get really upset with me, but yeah. I don't understand why I would need to play Tekken or a Soul Calibur. It just it <gasps> never made sense to me. They seem like they were too technical and too hard to get behind. And they're one of the big reasons why I was turned off to fighting games for the longest time is because of these like ex- just crazy extensive looking games like Tekken. I just there's nothing about it that attracts me. There's nothing about it that would ever attract me. To be fair to you, uh Tekken is very much a fighting game purists fighting game. I would say again, I might get bashed for this now. But that and Street Fighter is what I think of as like the people who played them in arcades, people who know what they're doing, these are the games that they go for. Tekken has very, very tight controls. Their hitboxes are so good. It's just developed to a T. Everything is done with such care and these people have been doing it for such a long time Tekken is one of the premier fighting games uh, Injustice 2 is more of a newcomer obviously the Injustice franchise only has two games in it this one seems to have put them on a map in a much bigger way but I don't know where the divisiveness or where the uh, where the line falls with hardcore fighting game people and people who are just now getting into fighting games and you are very much the latter of those two so maybe that's informing your decision a little bit yeah, I think you called it because you, you're right, and I don't think you're going to get bashed a lot because when you think about like hardcore fighting gamers, that's who you're thinking about are the people that suck with the Street Fighter, even though that sounded like it was a fiasco last year, <laughs> and the people that like suck with the Tekkens. I, I just don't, I don't know. It's just it seems like the learning curve is just too much for me. I reading the reviews from Tekken, it, see, it seems like they tried to streamline it in a way that Injustice did with the story mode. You get to try out different characters and things like that. Right. But it, it's just one of those things. I don't know, Mortal Kombat and Injustice did a good, in my opinion, they did a good thing in a way they kind of broadened the horizon for more 
gamers like myself to jump in at the series. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mortal Kombat 10, I think more new people jumped into that game than ever before in the series. Same with the Injustice series. So I I don't know. It just seems like Tekken, I'm looking at the gameplay videos, I'm reading the reviews. It just seems it's been done before, over and over and over again. I could be six other times. (laughs) This is the seventh game. Nothing innovative in it. And I could be wrong. I mean, but I don't know. It's just garbage series to me. Ooh, Sorry. That, that's a bit bold. I will go and grant you this leeway in saying that, yes, I do think that, look, there's no immense new ground being broken here by Tekken 7. There's obviously, every time a new one comes out, there's going to be new gameplay, there's going to be new features, there's going to be new characters. But what is groundbreaking about this Tekken as opposed to Tekken 5, Tekken 4, Tekken 6, whatever it is? You know, it's still an entry in the Tekken series. I, for one, honestly, I am astonished Maybe just because of when it was released, which might be smart of when they decided to let this game hit the market, but that it has sold as much as it has, and that it has garnered the reviews that it has. It's a fighting game, like you said. It's Tekken. It's Tekken, and it is still it's making waves. And it's it's surprising to me that a franchise like this has such long legs that it is possible for it to still be blowing up the uh, the market. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I'm definitely going to try to pick it up when it goes on sale. It's not one of those games that I want to spend $60 on. Right. Especially since there's just... I mean, there's not... I mean, it feels like there's a flood of fighting games. And it may not be a flood, but there's an increase of highly rated, highly regarded fighting games coming to the market right now. And when did that which happen, is, right? I, mean, I have no idea. I have no idea. You see Nintendo's getting into it now, too, with ARMS. It's It's... Not something that I would ever think of for Nintendo, for starters. Well, Smash Brothers, uh, I guess, but... Yeah, yeah, I was going to comment your point with that. Nintendo does a good thing with where they bring in these crazy style fighting. I mean, they, they really mess with the method. Right. Um, that's, what I, that's why I love Nintendo, and I think that's why Nintendo's unrivaled. I just, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around... I, I mean, the last Tekken came around in 2007, so I guess... I just can't wrap my mind around Tekken 7 selling so well. Mm-hmm. Especially at a time right now where, it just, I, but I don't know, it, they have a very loyal fan base, a very loyal fan base. They, they and do I guess have that. maybe people were appealed to something that I didn't see in these reviews or in these gameplay videos. Well, again, I mean, it has a fan base, which is a big part of it. But a fan base does not make you the number one game. You know, not a fan base like Tekken's fan base. A fan base like Zelda's fan base can do that. But Tekken, it's not. It's not that it's a niche, but it's not this over it hasn't seeped into popular culture the same way that even something like street fighter has or mortal Kombat when mortal Kombat was first released mostly because of the violence tekken was always the japanese version of those games in a much more to japan way i guess it never quite got the crossover in north america that it has in europe and asia i mean it's there for sure but it's widely driven by the european and asian markets and I'm not sure if that's because of the character design or some of the wacky, just a really, truly bizarre storylines that happen in Tekken. But Tekken's a bizarre game, and it's, it's strange outside of just the fact that you're punching a panda in the face. Though we've all thought about doing that many times. Up in <laughs> pandas. They're just big raccoons. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I'm coming hard I'm, I'm at pandas today. That. I'm not touching that. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you, I think you make some good points there. Um, I, I, and it look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a pretty game. It looks beautiful. It's gorgeous. It, 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 I've seen some improvements that maybe some people from the past iterations might really like. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and knock it, but I'm just going to sit here and say it's not for me. And therefore, I just don't like it. Fair enough. It's my opinion. 
Also, the verse of Hermes Conrad on Futurama. He voiced Samurai Jack in the just concluded Samurai Jack. Phil, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, so, we've been talking about Injustice 2 quite a bit. Uh, Eddie is a huge fan. I have gotten my hands on it a little bit and gotten to play. Uh, you voice Aquaman as well as uh, Green Lantern in some DLC content, I've been told. Uh, what's it like revisiting a character that you've been playing for quite a few years now with Aquaman? Um. It's it's fun. Uh, it's interesting because it's not a character that I originated, kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, just well, it was also weird because I worked with other people playing this character before. Like uh, Scott Rummel played it on uh, the Justice League cartoon, and obviously it was a very different. I think that was the long hair, hook hand Aquaman at that point. Um, and my, my friend John DiMaggio had played him on Brave and Bold. So, when, and the first time I played him was on uh, Young Justice. And that was a really different take. And right. I think the reason they used me for Injustice is because they their concept for Aquaman was, was pretty similar to the Young Justice Aquaman. The regal, you know, I am the king of the seven seas. Right. He's, he's really almost kind of... A less schmucky Namor. You know? <laughs> I love that description of him. They should put that on the box. With someone like you, because you have so many credits and have done so many different voices, um, and especially with playing a character that's been voiced by other actors before, do you try and hide your voice in it? How do you come up with uh, how do you come up with a voice basically for any character, but particularly one that's been played by other characters? Or by other actors. You know what's funny is I, I used to try to hide my voice. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I played a character, I would struggle to come up with a completely new sound. Um, and, of course, it would have been much easier not to hide my voice, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I'd only done, you know, 20, 30 characters. <laughs> now, you'd think that I'd be trying to hide. But um, I actually taken the... Uh, like the advice of uh, some of my peers, because my friend uh, D. Bradley Baker, um, he voiced the clones in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the animated series, mm -hmm. and you know, they're all clones. They all have the same voice. And I remember he did an episode where there were like nine clones on uh, a space station or something, and he voiced the entire episode. Jeez. And I realized it's not about the voice. It's about the performance. It's about the character's point of view. Um, and uh, Mako, who had voiced uh, the character of Aku on, uh, on Samurai Jack years ago, showed me that up close. Because you know, Mako had an incredibly distinctive voice. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, was, and one time they cast him as a different character in the show. And I was like, well, you know, there's only two of us in the show. It's like, really, people aren't going to notice that it's him? And what he did was he just played that character so completely differently than he plays Aku 
and then you animate a different you know visual over it and you cannot tell it's him and I realized okay it's not about hiding it's about playing the character to the fullest right you know I imagine that when you're doing these it must be different project to project but are you getting what the character is going to look like before you come up with the voice does that help in the process or are you just doing words words from the page and then coming up with it cold like that uh, no usually I mean most of these mediums you know video games animation are all very visually driven mm -hmm. it's very rare that they don't have uh, a visual image of a character first Right. Um, especially with the, the video games. No, the the tough part comes when the writing doesn't keep up with the visuals. You know, a lot of times you'll audition for, you know, a game or something, and they'll give you this entire, you know, page-long thing telling you what the character does, and da 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 da, -da, -da, -da you know, and then there'll be four lines, none of which exhibit any of the stuff they tell you they want. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's full of jealousy about his brother who had, at a young age took him like, okay, do we have any lines where he's exhibiting jealousy? No. But that's <laughs> the main thing we want to grab. Like, I... I <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, I like you know, coffee. Because unfortunately, as an actor, you're limited, you know, by what the script, you know, is. Right. All right, we want a legal Aquaman. It's like, and now he's, you know, now we need death screams. Like, <laughs> there's no such thing as a regal death scream, you know? If there, if there was, I'm sure you could pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> there we go, it's perfect. In the camp. Uh. <laughs> well, I think, you know, matching the voice up to the character is, well, it's obviously it's the most important part, and I'm not sure how much of that comes down to casting, how much is that you being a versatile as an actor, and clearly you've played... A diversity of characters in your uh, in your career, Eddie. I believe you had a question about uh, uh, past instances with that in uh, other video games. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that controversy two years ago with Uncharted Four, um, where the wonderful voice actress Laura Bailey actually played yeah. um, a black character named Nadine Ross. Um, in your credits, you you played just multiple ethnicities, people from different races, and I guess I'm just wondering, have you ever run into any type of that controversy? And in addition, how does that make you feel when you're playing these different characters um, of different ethnicities and different races? Well, from what I understand about the Uncharted thing, that to me, that has nothing to do with the actor. That's the people who are making the decisions about that being wonderfully ignorant about what they're doing. I mean... Because I, I, I was following that, and they said, no, no, well, originally we had the character designed as a white South African woman, then we came up with this great design for a black South African, so we just changed the... It's like, okay. <laughs> right. So, changing a few pixels in the color scheme? Yeah, if, that was, if it was that easy, I don't think we would have had apartheid. <laughs> doesn't make any 
actually what that is on a on a higher level. You know, it's like no, no, just just players are black southern. It's like uh, totally different. <laughs> South African people have a Dutch, you know, background. You know, a black South African woman could have one of sixteen different tribal backgrounds that she's speaking her English from. Right. You know. And I, I mean, I, had I been in Laura's shoes, I don't know what I would have done. You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe she'd already recorded the stuff. That's a that's a good point. It's it's hard for the actor because at what point were they brought on? What do they say in that type of situation? It, it puts them in a in a rough place, I'd imagine. Well, and also, I mean, this has been one of the things we're fighting with the, some of the people in the video game industry about in general is transparency. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you don't know what character you're doing. You don't know what game you're in. Wow, really? <laughs> yes. Because everything has a code name. Um, most of the time, the script you have is not a script. It's just an Excel spreadsheet with lines. <laughs> you don't know what the context is, you know. I mean, you, my, my friend uh, Keith was in Fallout 4. Uh-huh. had no idea. <laughs> After the game was out, and somebody who played it said, Hey, dude, you're great in Fallout 4. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been playing a game or seen something and been like, Oh, my God, that's my voice. Right. You know, because you recorded under code names. Right. You know, for, I mean, they say it's not so that we can't negotiate. Uh, <laughs> it's like, if I know I'm in Call of Duty... It's like, well, I know you're about to make a billion dollars. Maybe I might ask for more money. It's like, no, no, no. You're in, uh, you know, chess match one. Oh, okay, whatever chess match one is. Okay, sure, I'll just, I guess I'll just get paid scale. Your voice in the rook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's fantastic. You know, I, and that's what they do on a regular basis. Yeah, that's a that's a major Ooh. issue. Oh, my gosh. I, 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 I was unaware of that until you just told me that. That's... It seems. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one it's one of the points that we had to go on strike over. Yeah, well, that is a completely valid point, and I support you in that. Oh my gosh! And it, and thankfully, I mean, I think we've done all the injustice work before uh, we went on strike. But honestly, when it hit, I wasn't sure. You know, I wasn't sure whether when the game came out, I would be in it. God, that's horrifying. Just to put in that many hours, and then I don't know. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. And that's the thing, oh. like. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a DC Comics guy from way back. Okay. So these characters are very dear to me. Plus, I've been, you know, as a performer, living in this world and playing, you know, John Stewart since 2000. Right. You know, I love this work. You know, I love being able to, you know, I mean, I was playing Injustice on the mobile app, like, un- up until the week before the new game came out. <laughs> I mean, I've been playing it straight through. I mean, I love these characters, and I love being able to, like, you know... Play, you know, interact with them in a way, you know, beyond what I did, you know, reading the comics as a kid. Right. You know, so it's a it's a real bummer, you know, to think that, oh, well, you know, until we get this settled, I may not be able to play these guys anymore. Yeah, no, God, I can imagine that. I mean, we forget sometimes that the people who are voicing them could be just as big of fans. Uh, I talked to Susan Eisenberg last week, who does Wonder Woman in the game, and she was saying a lot of the same things, you know. Yeah, and it's it's really funny because there is something about a voice yes. that just sort of triggers stuff for you. I remember working on a Scooby-Doo episode years and years ago, back when Casey Kasem was still voicing Shaggy. Oh, awesome. And, I mean, that's the, you know, those voices are the voices I grew up with. So to be in there, I just remember he came into the booth and, 
They said, uh, can you just say a couple of lines for, you know, so, so we can get a sound level? And he started doing the voice. And it was, it was weird. I felt the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Oh, my God. And I, I was eight again because it was that exact voice. You know, even though he's probably, you know, it had changed a bit over time, mm -hmm. it's like your mom's voice. Right. You know? <laughs> when your mother calls your name, it doesn't matter if you're <laughs> six or if you're 60. It rings in your head in a way that is, you know, unlike anything else. Right. Actually, God, that's a that's a perfect segue because you just completed Samurai Jack, which was a show that was off the air for 13 years, I want to say, and yet we come back and bam, we're right back into it. And uh, I'm a I'm a huge Samurai Jack fan, uh, full disclosure, and I loved that final season, and I think you did phenomenal work on it, and it's particularly taking a completely the character aged with its audience, so it was an adult take on a show that we all watched, and it was just phenomenal, and I think you did different things with the voice not that it wasn't a, it was the same voice it was still Jack but it was just a different vein to the character well I mean in the original series he spoke very rarely and we almost right. never had any sense of his internal life right this one it was almost all you know I mean I'd say the I'd say probably 75 80% of the lines I spoke in this fifth season were all in Jack's head, you know. Yeah. So it was it was a very very different approach, you know. How you know how dark was it? I mean, it was it was really really dark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even in the Mad Jack episode, you know, in the original series, that was the closest we came to it. Right. That was just him being mad. You know? <laughs> but to go to the to the depths of, of pain and loss and you know just just the, where he was in this the beginning of this series right the season was it, it was the struggle for me was to make sure it still had that it was still the same guy right you know just that same guy going through completely different stuff and I, I think that absolutely came across in it uh, one thing that was so great is we get a cathartic end to uh, a series that many people had thought was shelved forever. Uh, as an actor, was it exciting to come back and be able to finish something that you started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, as an actor, you, you're always happy to have a job. And <laughs> to have a show that gets canceled and then comes back, I mean... Futurama, we've come back what, three times. Ugh. And one, it's lovely to come back and work with your friends again. And it's great to, you know, be able to go back to work. But there was something really special about this show. Um, one, the, the fan base and just the, the growing knowledge of it. I mean, for me, even originally, it was a show that I loved. It was, I considered the, the series a work of art. Right. And it's something that I felt like I could recommend to anyone. It's like, oh, I don't watch cartoons. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, like, you like paintings? Watch this. Honestly, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know? But this is also, I mean, a lot of things are being rebooted and whatever. This one, there was a need. Yes. You know? I mean, most shows, it's just brand identity. Somebody, you know, some corporation felt like they left money on the table. <laughs> but this... It needed to come back. I mean, it's, it's in the song. He's got to get back. <laughs> and he never did. You know? <laughs> but now he has. So there, 
you know, and, and Gindy knew it. I mean, hmm. we've been talking, you know, off and on for, you know, a decade or something wow. about him wanting to finish the story because the story was built to be finished. You know, it needed it. I think it had the correct ending, in my opinion. I don't want to completely spoiler it unless somebody hasn't seen it, but I mean, it wrapped up in a very satisfying way for me and felt true and real to the series that it had presented, even when I was a child and I was watching it. It just, it felt right. It, it sat right, I felt. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, and it's, this is something that's also been fascinating this time around, mm -hmm. is watching people who have grown up binging stuff oh, yeah. and interacting with stuff have to go back to old school cartoon watching. <laughs> yep, you're not going to get anything for seven days. <laughs> Sit there. You know, and it's funny because people lost their minds. After every episode, they kept trying to like project the entire series. Right. You know, the entire rest of the series. Okay, well, obviously from your point, it's going to be... Like, Shut up. <laughs> Go, do, go live the rest of your life, be back on Saturday night. You know? It, it, it was like people forgot how to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But then, but then there's also the weird thing of the ending. It's like, no, that's not exactly what I wanted. <laughs> well, last time I checked, you didn't write it or create it or draw it. So, I don't know why it would be exactly what you wanted. Exactly what Andy Tartakovsky wanted. Uh, he's not reading their emails, I guess. <laughs> now people are like, no, you've got to change it. Uh, like, wow, really? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like the Mona Lisa would brighten my day more if she had a bigger smile. <laughs> I'm going to email Da Vinci and tell him, like, come on, dude, lighten up. <laughs> Go in and redo it. <laughs> uh, so I guess, I think it's clear to say that uh, Samurai Jack is done then, correct? It's probably, that was the end. Yes. Ah, good, good. Well, I'm going to ask you an annoying question, just again as a major fan, and I'm sure you get this constantly. Is Futurama ever coming back? Um, yes. Yes? Actually. Oh. They, uh, they announced uh, a couple of months ago, we're doing a mobile app game. Oh, I, I saw that, I saw that, yes. Yeah, and um, that's actually, uh, that should be coming out soon. Yeah, I know, they, I know they announced that the game is happening, and we, um, but I don't know that they've uh, had the launch date yet. Do we have some Hermes in there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, the, a lot of the original writers, original cast. Yeah, so yeah, keep your eyes open. Fantastic. There's more Futurama are coming. All right. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Eddie, do you have any uh, other comments, questions? Yeah, Phil, I just really wanted to thank you. I don't want to get too preachy or anything. Um, I, I, you have extensive credits along the lines. Um, I wish there was just more exposure to the type of work that you're doing, especially I work I work with young people, young African-Americans, young people, and I, I just wish there was just more exposure to what you're doing to show these young people that there are avenues to get into. Um, it's just, just the work that you're doing is just wonderful. And I specifically want to thank you for Static Shock. I was 11 years old when that came out. Um, I grew up as a young black man not having a lot of superhero people to look up to. Static Shock was on, came on the WB in the mornings. I watched it with my dad, someone who looked like me. He was dark like me. Mm -hmm. He was cool. He had the coolest superpowers with the electricity generation. He could ride around on a... I mean, he was everything to me. And, and at times where I was told, you can't...
can't be Batman. You don't look like him. You can't be Superman. You can't be the Flash. I could be Static Shock. And I just really want you to know that that meant the world to me. Because it was the first time I really could see myself on the same level as my friends who were telling me growing up that I could not be these certain characters. Um, and I guess my question is, do you, do you know, do you, is that your goal when you're going into these different um, roles? Are you hoping to have that type of influence on young people like me who pretty much looked up to Static Shock for a lot of a long time? Hmm. Um, I, I would love to say yes, but you know, the truth of the matter is my, my primary goal is to do the work and, you know, um, bring what the writers have put in front of me to life. That's my job. Now, I've been lucky enough to work with some amazing creators, you know, Andy Tartakovsky, Dwayne McDuffie, um, you know, David Exco and Matt Groening, you know, all these people who have, you know, who make great stuff. And Static Shock in particular, I mean, for me, as a comic book guy, I have that same issue, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't see yourself. And the times you do, I mean, especially, I mean, I'm probably a little older than you, but the tokenism was right. big and unavoidable. Oh, there's right. Black Lightning and Black Goliath and Black What's-His-Face and Black Other Guy. You know? <laughs> right. Like, it was like, this is the one you get. That's it. But the amazing thing to me about Static was, here's a character who is specifically African-American, but not, a, but it's not about the fact that he's black. Right, it right, simply, right. They told his story the exact same way they told Peter Parker's story, you know, right. or, you know, uh, or, or, or Tony Stark's or, or Clark Kent's. He's a guy, here's his powers, here's his life, go. There was no tokenism, there was no, you know, there wasn't that sense of, uh, we don't really get it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. that you get a lot of times um, when someone is trying to do something, you know, socially responsible. <laughs> it was just good. And to me, that's the key to diversity, is let's have a bunch of good stuff from a bunch of different perspectives. Great that's point. it. Great point. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Phil, for your time. I really appreciate it. We're gonna start a, uh, a new segment. Uh, what was the name of this segment? What are we what are we calling it? As a black man, is that what you want to call it? I don't want to name a segment that you're That's in charge true. of. That's true. We're gonna keep. Is it, that's the tentative name for it right now? Okay. Tentatively, this is entitled "As a Black Man." As a black man, as a, as a black man, I, I might want to also name it something like "Brother Speak Song." Oh, I like that way more. Militant, <laughs> Brother Speak Song. Yes. So this segment is as a black man. So I'm going to give you opinions from a black person because you may not know any, especially if you play video games. <laughs> so 
I, I think we need. I want to focus on because you know Wonder Woman was really big. Right. Wonder Woman's doing great things. I'm I'm going on Facebook. I'm going around social media, and I'm seeing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful pictures of little girls and little boys dressed up as Wonder Woman, and I, I have to say I love it. Mm-hmm. Growing up as a black man, you, you really did as a black man. I almost <laughs> forgot to plug my my blackness there. I didn't I didn't have any heroes to look up to. That's why going to see. Marvel's Civil War meant so much to me, and seeing Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, T'Challa, meant so much to me, and seeing his character portrayed as just this royal, well-spoken, non-stereotype king, just great son, and compassionate, the, loving. The heart of the movie, just, really. Really, just the biggest surprise of the movie. Right. Um, and had had the some of the best scenes in the airport fight scene. Mm-hmm. So that when you hear people complain, and you get see people get in their uproars on the internet about the lack of diversity, you, you really need to understand how much it means to the young person that's looking up on a screen and seeing a woman blocking bullets with her bracers, mm-hmm. or you know blocking a hail of bullets with her shield. That that is something that is very important. That is something that we're seeing a lot more, and that's something that makes me really happy. So as a black man, I fully support Wonder Woman, and I fully support what Marvel's doing with bringing in more diverse characters and what really the cinematic universe for all these superhero movies are doing in order to bring more diversity, more characters that aren't just a white male character. Can I ask you this question as a follow-up to what you just said? Yes. And this is biased only because of how much I love Anthony Mackie, who I think is amazing. Did Falcon do any of that at all when you saw Captain America the Winter Soldier? Because I thought that Anthony Mackie is amazing in that film and in Civil War, too. And he doesn't seem to get any of the praise that Black Panther gets. He is not only great in the role and is a phenomenal actor... But I also think that for that character, he's a veteran is what he is, really. And I think it deserves credit for that as well, that it depicts... Uh, Captain America's good at that, too, just the, the character, not just the films, of depicting men as they come home from war, women as they come home from war. And I think that Anthony Mackie does that in a good way in Falcon. I think he's a, he's a good man, he's a strong man, he's, uh, he's a great character. I really like him a lot. What do you think about Falcon? I like him. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't like him. I like his character. Mm-hmm. I like what he portrays. But he's still the best friend to the white superhero. Oh, that's a good point. And I, and I, and I, I don't want to slight Anthony Mackie at all because I believe he like you, everything you've said. I agree with. I'm not going to reiterate the points you've made. But I, I think it's a two way. It's a two way street. Um, because on one hand, the Falcon has a really troubled comic book history. I like what they did with changing him into a veteran. I believe in the past he was a pimp. So, I mean, you have that, and you know your comic book veterans are going to always have that in the back of their mind. Right. And then, like I said, you have him, he's, you know, he's the black best friend. How many times have we seen the black best friend in Hollywood before? That's a great point. um, And I think the reason why I appreciate Black Panther so much is because this dude's a king of his own damn country. (laughs) But Wakanda is one of the most technologically advanced countries we have in the world in comic book um, universe. And this and this guy comes in and he's just he 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 is acting like a king. Yeah. So I'm you know I'm not sliding Anthony Mackie. I love Anthony Mackie. I love the Falcon. I love the spin that they've done. He's he's a real hardened veteran. He brings that to the role. Battle ready, always good in action scenes, ready to go. But he's still an extension of his white friend. Right. Um. And it's still like 
Well, do you want to go, Captain America? Well, I'm behind you, no, 100%. You say jump, I say how high, sir. So, uh, that, that, and that's, in that regard, is whatever. Um, Black Panther stands on his own. He has his own country. So that's why I regard Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, a little higher than the Falcon in the Marvel Universe. Right. Okay, like we Eddie, as the resident expert on video games, what should I be looking for while I'm out there on the floor? That rhymed. That was a nice rhyme. Thank you. Wow, um, put me on the spot. Uh, well, E3 is Christmas time for me. So, where to start? The games this year, so obviously you want to go to Rockstar Games, you want to see Red Dead Redemption 2 if it's there. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be there this year. I'm hoping that it is. I know it was delayed. But, I mean, that's going to be the biggest game of the year. You always want to go and see your Bungie. You want to see. You want to check on with Destiny 2, see what type of updates, see what type of reveals they're going to have. Oh, yeah. The press conferences should be interesting this year. It'd be interesting to see what Sony's bringing to the table. Xbox had a kind of a good year. They're finally back on their feet, so it's kind of, it'd be interesting to see what type of exclusives they're bringing. I don't believe we're going to be getting any new Halos. I don't believe we'll be getting any major announcements from the Bungie team. Um, look out oh, yeah. for God of War. My God, that'd be that, amazing. That would be huge. Yeah. And a huge um, God of War. Kingdom game. Hearts 3. That I have been awaiting since Kingdom Hearts 2, which came out over a decade ago. So, I'm a huge... Square is... Yeah. Square is my favorite favorite. I'm all about that. I think those. we all know you're still playing Final Fantasy 8. Uh, I just started Final Fantasy 12. Final Fantasy 8 is the only one I don't like, matter of fact. I, I hear Final... I've never played Final Fantasy twelve. I hear it's the best in the series. A lot of people regard it as the best in the series. Seven's the best. Uh, anyone who says it's not the best is just trying to be a hipster. Twelve is the closest. I'd go seven, ten, twelve. But ten and twelve are pretty much, like, the same. Like, as far as okay. greatness okay. goes. Twelve is the we, biggest... We need to have Final Fantasy talk. Dude, I will talk about Final Fantasy forever and ever and ever. I have my, my mouse pad at work is a Final Fantasy screenshot. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, we need. We need. I need. I want to be educated on the final. That's the one game world I'm not too familiar with. Right. So I think we really love the podcast where you educate me on the yeah. ins and outs of Final Fantasy. We're gonna do an entire Final Fantasy episode full of Moogles. Yeah, that'd be fun. And chocobos and materia. It's gonna be great. I know. I know what chocobos are. Oh, okay. What are chocobos? Yeah. The things you write in Final Fantasy fifteen that are pretty fun. Do they? What do they look like? Like birds. What type of bird, Eddie? Jeez. I'm I'm not familiar with the. They're bird giant family. chickens. Like animals. They're giant chickens. Brush I up on your avian. We're well, learning okay. a lot about animals today. <laughs> you could eat them. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> unlike the last couple shows, uh, we're not gonna do what we're playing this week only because we're in full E3 preparation mode but Eddie other than uh, Injustice 2 or is there anything you're looking forward to playing this coming week before E3 drops I'm trying to clear out my catalog it's all televisions over so I really have I can really come home from work and play my video games so right now I'm playing a night in the woods which was Really highly regarded this year. It's a short indie game. I think I'm probably about 25% in. I played like three hours. 
I'm loving it so far. So I'll probably have a review probably in a couple weeks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sink my teeth into that. I'm gonna try to get back in the horizon. Uh, I probably put maybe 15 to 20 hours into that game. Wow. One of the games of the year. Uh, I mean, we're like I said, we're in a golden age, my friend. There's a lot of games that are coming out that are really good, and there's a lot of games that are that I need to play. So I'm probably gonna try to focus on a night in the woods and Horizon this week. Right. So I'm gonna tr- I'm trying to keep it with one AAA, <clears throat> one indie, make my way through them. Um, if I can get my hands on something else this week, I might. If I get a little bored, but that's my that's my go to. Right, you've got your work cut out for you. Last week, we forgot to shout out NetherRealm Studios for um, the work they did on Injustice and Injustice 2. And I, I just want, really want to highlight that they're doing a great job because anytime you can get you can take a genre that's been going on forever and ever and ever and make it approachable to new gamers like myself, I think it should be highlighted. So just thank you, NetherRealm Studios, and keep up the good work. I agree. Okay. All right, well, I want to thank our guest, Phil Lamar, who is, uh, he was one of my favorite actors before I met him, and now I think he even bumped up a little bit higher on my list, to be honest with you. He's pretty great. So big thanks. I was really nervous in that interview. <laughs> it's, it's really hard talking to a hero. Well, I think you did a great job, and I think you kind of got across how much he meant to you, which was nice to listen to as somebody on the outside. It meant a lot to me, too. I mean, Futurama's my favorite show of all time, so... Big, big props. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. <laughs> He's a decent, fine I, I w- human being. I wish we did more to really like hoist up these voice actors. Besides, behind our favorite characters, we I just I don't think we have enough exposure to them. I agree with that, and I don't think they're as appreciated as they should be. Not just as household names, but for how hard it is what they do. I think people think they have an easy job, and I don't think they realize how hard it is to do that job. Yeah, just hearing about how hard it is to voice video games. It's like, man, like, in no respect and no money, it's it's a, it's a thankless job. So thank you. Thank you, Phil Lamar, for what you do. We salute you, sir. All right, so uh, thank you again. Um, next week is uh, gearing up for E3, so we'll see you all then. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, feel free to subscribe. <laughs>